Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning. It is Tuesday, February 23rd. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Keith Niebuhr, Auburn recruiting reporter and analyst at Auburn Undercover. Keith is here right now to talk about Deion Sanders and Cam Newton. Keith, no, I'm just kidding. How are you doing, man? Are you ready ready to talk about Dylan Brooks? Yeah, man, that was an interesting one. Let's go. Let's roll. Yeah, I wanted to, uh, I thought I might spook you a little bit with the Dion stuff, but I didn't really give it enough time. Yeah, that was pretty wild too, though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So last week you were, you were just sort of all over this story. I'm going to lay it out for everyone listening. So Dylan Brooks was the highest ranked signee in Tennessee's recruiting class for the class of 2021. And he signed in December. We're talking about a guy outside linebacker, number 76 player in the 24 seven sports composite from the state of Alabama. And you were hearing word that he wanted out of his letter of intent from Tennessee and that the Vols were, I don't know, Keith, I don't want to put words in Josh Heupel's mouth, but maybe Wayne, whether to do that or not, they eventually relented and released him on Friday. And eventually, uh, I believe on Saturday, Dylan Brooks committed to Auburn uh, and, and Brian Harson's new staff. So walk me through, Keith, the process of Dylan Brooks wanting out of his letter of intent and, and then Tennessee eventually agreeing to do that. Cause I want to talk yeah. about the, them eventually doing that. You know, first of all, let's go back in time a little bit. This is a kid that's an Auburn legacy. One of his cousins, Jairus McIntyre, was a great receiver at Auburn, had a cup of coffee in the NFL. And most people always assumed he was going to go to Auburn. But last spring, we started hearing that Auburn was really concerned about Tennessee. Tennessee was saying, listen, our defensive end, edge rusher room, that that group is not strong. You can come right in, make an early impact. Auburn really took a different approach with him under former defensive line coach Rodney Garner, who ironically or coincidentally is now at, at Tennessee. But it was more of, hey, look, Auburn has a pretty solid D-line room. You're not going to come in and start right away, but you're going to have a chance and they're going to build you up and all that stuff. But two different approaches based on what, what each team had. You know, Auburn had a bunch of defensive linemen, Tennessee didn't. And he really gravitated toward that that pitch by Tennessee and by the fact that Jeremy Pruitt, a former high school coach in his native state of Alabama, you know, him being at Tennessee was significant. He was close with Derek Ansley, the defensive coordinator. Uh, so he committed to Tennessee last spring, which surprised a lot of people. But people always thought, well, maybe, maybe Auburn could get back in it late. And they tried and tried and tried, and it just really didn't work. So did Dylan signed with Tennessee in December, although I yeah, funny thing was, Trey, he told nobody that he signed. He said he didn't sign, and there was some confusion there. But uh, he actually did sign with Tennessee in December, and you think, okay, it's end of story. But then Jeremy Pruitt was fired in January, and this is where it gets a little tricky because coaches get fired every day. But he signed in December. The coach was fired later on. Then you had the reason for Jeremy Pruitt's exit at Tennessee, which leads one to believe that potentially probation could be uh, headed headed to that program. I mean, uh, we don't know. We'll see. But obviously, he was fired with cause and all that stuff. And, you know, his relationship, Dylan's, that is, with, with Pruitt was very close, very solid relationship. And he almost immediately, like that night, reached out to me and said, hey, I, I think I'm going to put in I'm going to ask for a release. It's just, you know, I was really going there because of the coach. Now, Trey, you know, and I know they say don't pick a school because of the coach, but a lot of these kids do it anyway. So 
you think, okay, well, Tennessee will probably let him out, but then the weeks passed and you know, you you have to fill out a form and request an official release from your national letter of intent. And it says, look, you got to have extenuating circumstances. They don't want people just signing and then leaving and they have to have rules in place. And for Dylan, the extenuating circumstances were what we just said, you know, coach gone, probation, maybe looming, you know, ugly time in Tennessee. But Tennessee kind of dragged its feet a little bit, wanted him to, and you know, really I don't blame Tennessee for this part. They wanted him to meet the new head coach, then the new D-line coach, who obviously is the guy from Auburn, Rodney Garner. So he knew him, new defensive coordinator, all this stuff. But he was convinced he did not want to go to Tennessee. And at a certain point, his calls started going unanswered. He says, you know, we only get one side of the story sometimes. Uh, and it got a little frustrating for him. And at first, uh, last week, last Thursday, he was he says he was told by Tennessee's new head coach, Josh Heupel, that he would be released, but he would not be able to go to an SEC school. So that story was written by myself and a few others. Some radio people in Alabama got a hold of it. And, uh, you know, Trey, these things kind of take on a life of its own. You know, how can these coaches switch schools? You know, then you have coaches getting fired, all this stuff. But the, the onus is always on the kid to come up with a reason why they should leave or why they can leave or should be allowed out of the national letter of intent. Uh, so the next day, Tennessee did, in fact, give him his release. So, look, it was kind of, uh, you, know, you knew it would happen. It would take on a life of its own. But ultimately, Tennessee did the right thing. And I know that's a long-winded story, but he was excited. I mean, he knew, I will just say this, other schools reached out to him, the FSUs of the world, UCF, Clemson asked about him. I think he knew the minute he decided he didn't want to go to Tennessee that he wanted to be at Auburn. That's the school he grew up around. Uh, it's only an hour from home. His parents wanted him there. So one day after getting his official release with no conditions, which meant he could go to any school, not just you know, he could go to the SEC schools. He committed to Auburn. Oh, I appreciate all of that backs that background info. That's yeah, it's pretty... a lot. Yeah. No, no, that's that's actually really good stuff, Keith. And it I think some people forget, and I'm guilty of this as well, just because of transfer portal. You know, you can enter your name whenever you want to going through compliance and all that stuff. And you don't really have to meet with a head coach just because of that. Some conferences do still, as you mentioned with the SEC, have that interconference transfer rule. The fact that Tennessee is lifting it maybe makes more likely or possible that another Tennessee transfer, um, t- Henry Toto, different than Dylan yeah. Brooks, who's a signee, could maybe wind up at Alabama, which is where the crystal ball favors him. Keith, you said takes on a life of its own. By the time these stories hit social media, I mean, what is this school going to do? Like, they're not going to win that game of chickens. And that's why, right? and that's my only advice to Tennessee. Look, they know what they're doing. They got pros there. But my only advice would be, if you know that's where it's headed, why not get out in front of it? You know, I would tell any school that. It's, these things become PR nightmares for you. Now, this one didn't fester too long. It wasn't like it was, you know, a daily thing. But they didn't really need any bad publicity right now. I mean, they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to get the program headed in the right direction. I personally like the head coach hire. I like a lot of their other hires. Uh, I know some of those guys. I know Rodney Garner. I know Cody Burns. I think I think they got a pretty good staff they're putting together. But why why do something like this? And I and but now I would say this: it's not fair to just pick on Tennessee because that, like you said, it's a kind of a conference thing. It's an it's not uncommon at all for a school to try to block a transfer like that. Uh, or well, this wasn't a transfer, but block a situation where a kid either signs with you and goes to another school in your conference or is at your school and then tra- tries to transfer another school. It's not uncommon, but what was uncommon was the situation. I mean, the, the early signing period is still in its infancy. It's just been around for a few years. And to have a head coach fired that long after 
the early signing period. And then because of the reasoning, the reasoning behind the firing, I mean, the, you know, it just, I think they, you had to look at it and say, you know, we can't hold these kids hostage. And they didn't, to their credit, they didn't. And, they, you know, they've had other kids try, you know, wanting out of their uh, letters of intent, Jamir and Gooch, an offensive lineman from Tennessee, Cody Brown, a running back from the Georgia area. Uh, so it wasn't just Dylan, but, you know, Auburn just kind of had to sit back and wait it out. You know, we'd heard that, you know, if, if he became available, yeah, they'd probably be interested. And, um, but they couldn't contact him. They couldn't have really any communication with him until he got that official release. And once he did, uh, he was able to get on the phone with the staff and they hit it off. And, you know, obviously he's got close ties to the school. So he already knew what you, well, here's the interesting thing, Trey, he committed to Tennessee because of the coach, but then he knew he wanted to go to Auburn because of the school. Totally two different types of commitments here. But I, I think the proximity to home really helped Auburn. And, you know, we haven't even talked about what kind of an impact he yeah. could have. Like you said, top 100 player, good edge rusher, big kid, 6'5", 250. Could grow into maybe a strong side end. I mean, you know, he's a very big kid. He, he could keep growing. Uh, he'd like to be an edge rusher. So if that's the case, they're going to have to keep the weight off of him. They can't have him balloon up to 290. But again, top 100 recruit. And also, he's a guy people have been writing about for two, three years. Other recruits know that name. It's a big in-state kid. It's a it's big for Brian Harson and his program because it's a big-name guy. And, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, they had uh, one of the websites in Alabama write a story after signing day that said, you know, Harson got slaughtered. It, it wasn't pretty. And, you know, I don't think people at Auburn thought that was fair given the circumstances. Brian Harson, well, look at it this way, Trey. The early signing period started December 16th. And again, I'm not taking sides. I'm just laying out some stuff. Early signing period, December 16th. Gus Malzahn was fired as Auburn coach three days before that. Okay, just three days. So on the 16th that week, Auburn signed 12 guys, one of them a transfer from Oklahoma, tight end Grant Calcaterra has since gone to another school. I think he's at SMU. So that yeah. left you with 11 signees in this era when if you don't have 20 signees by the time the early signing period's done, you're getting left in the dust. So they hire Brian Harson the next week, just a couple of days before Christmas. It takes them two to three weeks to fill out a staff. Then they have to start working on what's left out there just to finish some kind of class in February. And they they get some nice fines. They do okay. They surge from 48. Look, look Trey, when National Signing Day, uh, the weekend before National Signing Day in February, Auburn was 48th in the rankings, okay? Ooh. Yeah, after Signing Day, they got into the 30s. Then they picked up a running back a few days later from Mississippi, Jarquez Hunter, that got you into the 20s. Dylan Brooks gets you all the way up to 20th. Now, only 8th in the SEC. So 20th overall, 8th in the SEC. Not ideal. That's not what Auburn wants. That would have been Gus Malzahn's worst class. But given the set of circumstances to have those players, and now Auburn has also, we should point out, has added two key transfers. Uh, Iku Leota, uh, an edge rusher from Northwestern, third team all Big Ten. And just before we recorded this, Dreshun Miller, a four-star recruit at one time who played cornerback at West Virginia last year on one of the best pass defenses in the country. Those guys are now going to Auburn. They don't count in the recruiting ranking. So 20th overall with two impact transfers coming in, all things considered, you know, all of a sudden then it doesn't look too bad then does it track. I like the after hours work that they've done. You, you mentioned the 20 plus point climb in the recruiting rankings and the transfer. When you told me when I was reaching out to you to schedule this podcast interview and you were like, I'm waiting on a commit. I was like, who? And you told me Jershon Miller. I was like, oh man, that's one of the best available transfers. Well, yeah. And you're not gonna get, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. You're not going to get three or four years out of him. He's got two years left. Uh, he may only play one. He wants to play one year and go to the NFL, but you're going to get value. You know he's going to come in and play. Whereas, you know, you sign a kid out of high school or the junior colleges, they may never play. 
So you know you're getting value out of him. Iku Leota, by the way, grad transfer from Northwestern. These two guys will be able to both play right away. But Leota has three years left. He's graduating in like no time at all from Northwestern. And so he's going to have three years of eligibility remaining. And again, we know for you know he's going to be an impact guy because of what he's done for a very good Northwestern defense. And so, you know, they've done some good work. But Trey, they ain't done because they still have three spots remaining. And they need some help on the offensive line. If they can find a tackle or two that can come in and start, you know, they might be pretty good next year. Well, we'll see. You know, we'll see. Uh, the, the, the recent history of Auburn trades, when you think they're going to be good, they're not. And when yep. you think they're not going to be good, they, they contend for a national title. So, you know, who knows? But, uh, you know, they've done a fairly nice job, cons- all things considered. Now, this is not ideal. You know, in the future, they'd like to have those top 10 classes with those elite high school kids and all that stuff. But uh, again, all things considered, they came in, uh, they circled the wagons, and they're, they're bringing in some pretty good players. Talking about Tennessee and this this exodus from their program, transfers yeah, in and 2021 yeah. class unusual circumstances in civil cloud hanging over their head. How did Auburn avoid any of that firing their coach three days before the early signing period? Like how did Lee Hunter, well, the, the, well, you know, the top okay. 80 player in the class, not defect? Well, a few things I, I just got, you know, and the Tennessee fans, man, they're ruthless toward me sometimes because it, it always seems like I'm the grim reaper of bad news for, for Vols fans, but I feel for them, man, because they are as loyal and diehard as they get. I think, I think this group is going to get it turned around up there, but yeah, I, you know, one of the reasons I think is because you have to give the old staff credit and not just Gus Malzahn, but you remember they did have an exodus, a little bit of one, uh, uh, Eric Wilson. Wilson was committed there. Harvard grad transfer who could have been a starter this this coming year. He's going to Penn State instead. Armani Goodwin, top 100 recruit, four-star running back, was committed to Auburn for 18 months, decommitted close to signing day, and was getting ready to recommit. And then they fired Gus Malzani, ended up at LSU. So it wasn't without, look, this wasn't without some headaches for Auburn. Don't, don't get me wrong. But credit, yeah, after Malzahn was fired, remember for a few days, a lot of people thought Kevin Steele would get the, the permanent job. As interim head coach, I think I, you got to give their staff credit. They locked in on guys like Lee Hunter and made sure they knew that, look, you committed to the school, not to us. It's Auburn. They got a lot of money. They're going to hire a guy that's probably pretty decent, like all these big schools. uh, And they bought into that. They really sold those kids on the idea. And there was a lot of them, too. Lee Hunter, top 100 recruit. Demetrius Davis, four-star quarterback in Texas, 51-3 and as a high school starter. They really sold those guys. Believe in Auburn. Stick with Auburn for the reasons that you committed to Auburn in the first place, the love of the school, the love of the program, and have faith and have belief in the, the leadership of the school that they're going to bring somebody in that you like. And, the, you know, the early word is that the early enrollees uh, have really, really taken to Harson. But, yeah, it wasn't easy, by the way, Trey. And, and we forget because Tennessee's having this exodus now. But Auburn already kind of went through that a little bit, you know. It just wasn't as – you know, there's so much going on at that signing day. This signing day, there's not as much going on the one in February. Uh, relative to the one in December. So things are bigger news now because there's less news out there. So everybody's got their eye on Tennessee right now. And then, man, they got some good guys leaving, man. makes you wonder why they didn't win more games, quite frankly. I know. So not to make you feel old, you've been around for a while. You've, you've covered recruiting. You do such a good job with it. I see you more of a, as like a national voice and as someone who, who just covers Auburn. So I want to get your opinion as we, we put a bow on this whole Dylan Brooks, Tennessee, Auburn stuff. Yeah. If you're the athletic director of a school, Keith, what would you do? Like, what, what what's the what's the winning formula here for when you've got players signed who signed under a different regime, and this happens every once in a while, and then a new coach comes in? I would assume you don't just tell every single player, all 25 of them, that hey, you guys are free to go, um, because that's how you yeah. end up with nobody. But 
would you like to see some legislation here? Is there any way to fix it other than hoping for social media backlash? You you wish there was some uniformity. I mean, really at the end of the day, you just want people to do the right thing, but the right thing, how do you define that? I mean, you know, uh, you can't, you're right. You can't have a program devoid of players. On the other hand, if the program itself put itself into that position, then that's part of the punishment. You know what I mean? But look, nobody, you're never going to lose everybody. And, and Tennessee's not going to lose everybody. They still got some really good dudes coming in, by the way. And uh, I think as an athletic director, you, you have to survey the situation, say, what did we do to get in this situation? Are, are we to blame for the situation this kid's in? And in this situation, absolutely, Tennessee is to blame. And, and that's, I'm not knocking Tennessee. I mean, I, I, every school we cover has been in this situation where they've, they've, been in trouble before had to fire somebody for reasons that uh, you don't like to talk about. So, uh, but just say, okay, so these kids are in this weird situation because of what happened at our school and what our coaches did and what we had to do to, to clean house and all that. So let, let's give them some leeway, but you know, still go situation by situation. But again, you can't, if a kid wants to leave and was promised certain things and told certain things, and those guys are no longer there and they may be potentially going on probation. I mean, I, it, look, it's a, it's a terrible situation for a kid. It's a terrible situation for the athletic department at the school too. So many good people at Tennessee that had nothing to do with any of this, right? And so now they're the ones that have to make these kind of difficult decisions. So, but yeah, some uniformity might, (laughs) but what would it be though? Where would you begin and who would you put on the committee? And I, I don't know. I don't, the NCAA, you know, we tend to rip the NCAA for all these things, Trey, but really they, they're just a representation of the schools. So if the right. NCA is unorganized and lacking in this department, is it is it their fault or is it the, is it the member institutions? And I tend to lean on the men, member institutions. I mean, they they run the NCA. It's their organization. So at the end I of mean, the day, they don't run they don't run it. But you know what I mean? That's it's it's for them. So if they want stuff done, they can get it done. Well, they're paid the big bucks. We'll let them figure it out. Keith Niebuhr, follow him on Twitter at Keith247Sports. We appreciate you joining us. You're always uh, always so good and generous with your time. Our producer is Lance Glenn. I'm Trey Scott. We'll talk to you all on Wednesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves, demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop, make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus.